Welcome back to the Sit a Spell podcast. It's that time. Come on up, grab a chair, sit a spell. Well, it's 12 o'clock on the dot. How we all got to the same place at, at the right time is a miracle because if you know Megan Brown, Crystal Blankenship, or myself, I'm usually saving seats and they're usually bringing me coffee. So, um, Boy, that was a call out. You just called us out. I appreciate it's 100% it. accurate. I save <laughs> seats and I get coffee. I mean, it's a good trade-off. <laughs> So welcome to the Sit a Spell podcast. Um, I know several of our friends across Tennessee and Extension have uh, shared that we're doing this. Um, now we're not going to do this thing where we say let's wait for a few people to get online and go. We're just going to go and you can watch the rebroadcast if you want to. Uh, so today we have a special guest. You, you get to listen to us laugh a little bit, but you get to hear the, uh, the nitty gritty from Dr. Janie Burney, uh, who is with UT Extension as a specialist. And so Dr. Burney, I will let you kind of uh, give us Give us the rundown on your full title and what all you're responsible for, and then we will dig into the Q&A of food preservation. Well, hello, everybody. Um, I'm a professor at UT and um, a nutrition and food safety specialist with Extension, uh, which means I'm responsible for leading nutrition and food safety programs across the state and supporting these folks here on this podcast to get information out to you all. It's a great job. <laughs> so the real question is, we didn't ask you this. Um, this is not part of the formal Q&A, but is this the first podcast you've been on? Live like this, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. I'll do my best. <laughs> well, we will too. <laughs> we, we, we usually have some buffer room for crying babies and, and shrieking babies and whatever else happens, us falling over. Um, so it's, it's all good. So uh, we'll kick it off with, um, with this question because we've seen a lot of this. We've talked about this a little bit in previous episodes, but um, sometimes people don't take our word for it. Um, they, they need the expert to do it. So just wanted to um, check. Somebody wrote this. This is verbatim. Just wanted to check. Getting lots of questions about tutorials on YouTube. That right there ought to raise us some eyebrows, right? Uh, that you can sterilize canning jars in the oven, dishwasher, and microwave. Well, I've noticed this has been on a lot lately, too, and I'm not quite sure why there is such a concern about sterilizing jars. Because if you're going to process your canning jars uh, for at least 10 minutes, like in, either in the boiling water canner or the pressure canner, you're going to sterilize those jars then. So the only time you need to worry about pre-sterilizing is if you're not going to uh, process that food for five minutes, uh, for at least 10 minutes. And the, one of the things I can think about is jams and jellies. There's a few of those that maybe you're only processing for five minutes. And you can actually even process them for 10 if you want. It will not hurt them to do them a few minutes longer mm -hmm. to avoid having to do the sterilizing. So that's my first question is why, you know, why is it important to do this? Um, I can save people a lot of time just <laughs> by saying it's not necessary unless you're not gonna process uh, for at least 10 minutes. But I think it, it really has to do with how heat transfers. Um, in an oven or a microwave, when you're heating something solid like jars, 
the heat is transferred through a process called conduction. And then when you're heating in boiling water or liquid, um, it's called convection. So the convection, which is the, the liquid, is much more efficient method of heat transfer than hot air uh, and solids. So for that reason, it's a lot more efficient to do it in boiling water for 10 minutes if you're going to do that. Dishwashers, um, well, they, you know, they vary with model and condition. You don't really know how hot they do get. Some of them may have a sterilizing uh, cycle on them, but not all of them. But basically, dishwashers clean. And you can, you can clean your jars before canning in dishwashers, just like you can with soap and water in your sink, which you should always do before you uh, fill any jars. Think that answers that question? I think so, but I do have the uh, the million dollar follow up, and I think Megan is smiling because she may have the same thought. But can I can I prep my uh, corn on the cob in the dishwasher? <laughs> <laughs> you mean blanching, or you mean candy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if we're going to do it in the dishwasher, it doesn't really matter. I guess that's probably really the best word, right? <laughs> Well, good luck with that. You're gonna get what you get, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we've we've seen a lot of that, and I was like, when when we talked about the dishwasher there, I was like, let's yeah. just see her response to the corn in the dishwasher. No, I was wonderful thinking, for cleaning dishes, but I was thinking if you're saving us a step, you know, there's not a lot of steps we can save in canning. So I know, like, take take, take that, it. take it for what it is. Take it, yeah. Amen. All right, so I have a question that came in. Um, what is the best way to preserve summer crookneck, crookneck squash or zucchini that can be dredged in cornmeal and then fried? Okay, um, well, you, one of the things you can do is freeze it. Because uh, if you try to can zucchini or squash, you just get a mushy mess. Um, <laughs> and it's, it may not even be safe, depending on how tightly you pack it. So if you, you can freeze it. Problem with um, freezing squash and zucchini, they have a high water content. So when you begin to thaw them out, they get real watery and limp. And it's very hard to dredge them through the cornmeal or whatever. So um, I did some checking and one of the suggestions would be to go ahead and slice them and go ahead and dredge them in whatever you dredge them in, cornmeal or whatever. And then lay, put them on a cookie sheet uh, and bake them uh, and just until they're starting to get a little bit brown, but you really don't have to cook them long. Uh, one thing this will do will um, some of you'll lose some moisture that way, which is good. Uh, and so what you want to do as soon as you get them out of the skillet, put them on a or put that cookie tray. Um, you can put a cookie tray inside the oven, excuse me, inside the freezer, kind of like what we call a tray method for berries. And just freeze them in layers like that. And then when they're just as soon as they're frozen, you take them out and put them in a freezer bag or freezer container that way. And they're loose and they won't stick together and you can get out what you need at a time. But I would suggest trying a small, small batch of that just to see how it goes. It's not going to be as good as if you just do them fresh because uh, <laughs> there are changes, texture changes. All right. Well, my next question that came in says, uh, Dr. Janey, I love boiled okra. Is there a way to can it without pickling it 
to enjoy it in the winter. Uh, We're all laughing because none of us like bold okra. No. <laughs> Well, well it's, something that's, it's real plentiful in the summertime and some people, you know, they just need to figure out a way to, to use it up before it goes bad. But uh, you actually can. You don't have to pickle it. You can can okra. Um, it's a low acid food. So you only safe way to do it would be to use a pressure, do it in a pressure canner. Um, if you acidify it like you do when you do pickled okra you can use a water bath canner but it's not safe to do it that way if you don't acidify it with something like vinegar so just plain old uh, boil you yeah you can do it um, you we use a hot pack process which means that you cook the okra in hot water for about two minutes and then you pack it in jars and then you process you process the pine jars for about 25 minutes and the quartz need to process a little longer about 40 minutes Mm -mm. <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I do like pickled okra though. Fried okra. Fried okra. I like fried okra, and that's about it. <laughs> Am I the only pickled okra? Y'all don't like pickled okra? Mm -mm. Oh. No. I love pickled okra. No, my father-in-law is all about some pickled eggs, but that's a whole different ball game. So we won't even yeah, try, we won't even tackle too. that today. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next, next question that came in it. Now this, this is kind of long with, with, uh, it confused me when I read it. It makes sense, but I had to take a minute. Is it a good idea to add oxygen absorbers on top of the dehydrated food stored in glass mason jars or other food grade containers? Well, uh, if you're not familiar with what these are, they're those small packets or sachets. Some people call them that you've, um, can find in sometimes packaged foods that you get. Um, they're filled with a iron powder. Uh, some of them are, not all of them, but most of the time they, they have an iron powder in them. And, and what this does is it, it prolongs the shelf life of the food. It can, manufacturers use them because they can prevent color changes and it prevents foods that have oils in them from turning rancid. Uh, it also can reduce the growth of microorganisms, which is a good thing, and protects food from insect damage or, or other kinds of pests. Um, they really are considered safe and effective. Um, for home-dried food, dried foods, they can be helpful, but they're really not necessary uh, in order to dry foods. Um, I think it's really important if you use these in your dried foods to make sure that you dry those foods adequately first because um, you know it's unsafe to uh, store food outside the refrigerator or freezer in a container with very little or no oxygen in it. Um, and so what happens is you can, with, with enough moisture, some bad bacteria can grow, that, uh, particularly the one ca that causes botulism. So you may have to make sure that you do dry um, foods really well. Dried fruits and vegetables will keep about four months to a year. I know people want them to last longer than that, but you, they start losing quality and nutrients at some point. And that depends on the temperatures that you're storing them in. Um, like beef jerky doesn't eat, really we, we recommend to eat that within a couple of weeks um, because it just doesn't stay good quality. Now, manufacturers have different processes they can use. It's different 
when we do it at home. And the one thing I also learned was that these uh, absorbers, uh, they're only good for about six months. So you'll have to go back in and you know put new ones in if you're gonna store the dried foods longer than that. But also remember, every time you open up that package, you're gonna let moisture in. So you don't wanna open up that package and get food out any more often than you have to. You know, I have to say, you were talking about jerky being, being needing to be used in a couple of weeks. I really question anybody that it takes longer than a few days to eat a, eat a bag of jerky. <laughs> like, I mean, jerky does not last <laughs> weeks at my house. I was about to all. say, yeah. anybody's got that problem. I mean, you can just call yeah. us and send us some jerky. We'll, we'll eat it in a couple of days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that just made me think of having to hide your beef jerky when you go to 4-H camp, like when you pull out your little snack because everybody's oh, yeah. hands like go in there with your beef jerky. <laughs> It does oh, yeah. not last. You get one piece and you're like, I really uh, wanted the whole bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be honest. Am I next? I can't I think, I think you are. I think about the list of websites. Oh, am I doing that? Okay. Yeah. All right, awesome. Um, let me uh, pull her up. Sorry. <laughs> um. Dr. Bernie, could we get a list of websites that we can refer people to for tested recipes? Sure. Um, I know I keep sending everyone to the National Center for Home Food Preservation, but I do that because not only do they do um, testing of new recipes that you can't find in USDA books, you know, just a few years back, they're always doing new things. Um, but also, you can. there's a, a link on there called Publications. It's on that left side bar. And you click on that, and you can open up all kinds of publications from all different universities across the country. Um, Penn State is a really good web, has a really good site. And then another thing, um, another good one um, is uh, Idaho and also the University of Minnesota also have online videos. So we can uh, post those. Sometimes the videos cost, cost a little money, sometimes they're free, but they're something that you can do online, even if you don't live in Idaho or Minnesota. <laughs> and you know, as far as using um, ball canning books, uh, those are fine. Um, what really concerns me is if you're working with low acid foods where botulism is a concern, you have to be very careful mm -hmm. and stick with those tested recipes from USDA and the universities. But jams and jellies, uh, things like that, that uh, are not as dangerous. You mostly have issues with yeast and mold with those um, and some kinds of spoilage. Um, you can use, you know, the ball recipes or you can, uh, Actually, a lot for jams and jellies, a lot of the companies that make pectin will give you instructions on how, how to do the recipe. So those kinds of things are okay. Um, I guess we don't, because University of Tennessee doesn't promote a certain company, that's why you won't see ball canning and all those <laughs> on our materials, because we really want to be fair and not promote one company over another. Crystal, I'll admit that I messed up on the production notes and you've got back-to-back -back questions because of that, that one we talked about. Did you just say production notes? I did. I did yes. to make it sound really official. What it I really did. is, 
what it really is is an email that we sent amongst all four of us that said here are the questions we have so my production notes are on the back of an old envelope oh uh, my production um, notes are a printed out form of the email with numbers circled around the, it's still a production uh, omega <laughs> I was it's like, all good. I didn't know. It's all good. I apologize. I like it. Megan and I have a good podcast. Sorry about no, the knocking. You're, you're good, um, but I will say, just in Megan's defense, uh, we've been podcasting together in some form or fashion for probably three years now, It right? And I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever said the term production notes and or sent an email with what we're talking about. So no. that's why she's just, making fun of me. Yeah. Just usually that uh, surprises me and then, uh, yeah, it catches me off guard, I guess, uh, for content. So thank Which you for it, not doing that today. It's usually topic and record. Yeah. <laughs> it's only because it wasn't for you, Megan. He was being kind to Dr. Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't for me, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. All right. He likes us going. to be organic. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, off the cuff. What happens? What um, happens? happens? All right. Our next question um, since Justin messed up in the production notes, um, <laughs> uh, Dr. Bernie, we are starting to see a lot of roadside stands, farmers markets, things being sold and opening back up across the state. And the question is, what kind of goods uh, am I allowed to sell at these, um, at these places and what's safe to sell? Well, um, you can sell things like jams and jellies, cakes and candies, breads, those kind of things um, that don't have to um, be under a tight temperature and time control. Are you laughing at me? No, I'm all, I'm all in on the no. cakes and candies. He started dancing when you said cake. <laughs> <laughs> now, but those foods, um, it's not that they're um, – free from danger or whatever, but they're just not likely to support the growth of the bacteria that can really make you sick. So um, it's better to stick with those. And then as you, as you know, uh, the state of Tennessee does, will inspect kitchens for people who wanted to produce and sell. It's different when you sell something versus when you just make it for your family and friends. When you start selling food, that, that's a whole different situation. So, um, there are there are classes at UT that you can take on um, on uh, safely preparing uh, these foods in the home for sale. Now, if you get into things like salsas and pickles, um, and get into especially green beans, any kind of meat and vegetable, then you know you can really hurt somebody if you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you get out there and sell it to somebody and they get deathly sick, then it, you know, it's on you. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's, that's regulated pretty well in the state of Tennessee. Uh, you can always call the Department of Agriculture or call UT Extension um, to get more information if you have specific questions. We have a really good food safety specialist, Nathan Miller, who can help you uh, if, if anybody who wants to sell their food. Excellent. Thank you. And if you, just because I've dealt with this locally in Bradley County, if you're wanting to do something on your farm or your production that you have, the Center for Profitable Ag is an incredible yeah. resource. Hal Pepper and um, a couple of folks out there, I sent them a question and I got a novel back. Um, and I was <laughs> like, this is incredible information all right here at my fingertips. So uh, Center for Profitable Ag is an incredible resource as well. 
All right, Megan, I think it's time for the, uh, the grand uh, question here. I'm so excited. I got this question in the production notes. Um, so tell us your craziest canning story or, and I guess this could be for everybody to write your craziest canning story or your craziest canning question. And I'm pumped to hear the answers. <laughs> you want me to start? Yes. Okay. Well, I hadn't been doing this for very many years and, um, the agent in Knox County called me up one day and she says, I don't know what to do. She says, I have this, this person who wants to can squirrel. And how do I, how do I can squirrel? And I thought, a minute, you know, there's actually a process for that. You know, and right now when people are hunting, maybe meat's not in good supply. Well, maybe that's not a bad idea. Uh, you want to make sure so that it doesn't taste so gamey to soak it in a brine for about an hour and then you process it like chicken and it it, it works. So uh, if you're willing be, to dress a squirrel and pick it pick it off the bones and stuff. Because if it's not beef or pork, it always tastes like chicken. And I have to say, I'll throw her under the bus, Dr. Bernie. These kinds of questions only happen to Heather Kyle Harmon. <laughs> <laughs> that's the agent Knox County. Our name, that yeah. is, these are Heather Kyle Harmon stories. She needs a sitcom. I don't know if she's watching with us today or goes back and sees us, but it's true. She needs to write a book and star in a sitcom because that that is perfect for her. Yep, mm -hmm. it is. Now another one I got that I never could find an answer for because I don't think a process exists is that is how to can bologna. <laughs> So uh, I really wasn't much help on that one. Back, back to the Ooh. okra. The only way that okra and or bologna are good are fried. That's it. Oh, oh goodness. Ooh. I have no words for that. Bologna. <laughs> Damn. Like your own spam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. oh, goodness. oh, goodness gracious. Those ones that come to my mind, you all might have some good ones too. Yeah. Any crazy canning questions? I, I don't have any as good as that, but I did have a lady call me once um, and she wanted, she had seen all the kudzu vines. Actually, I sent this question to Dr. Burning too. Had seen all the kudzu vines growing all over the county and she decided she wanted to make kudzu jelly. Does that rank in with dandelion jelly? Uh could. No, no, Dr. Bernie does it. <laughs> Let's ask the expert. Not, not in the notes. I would think so, but I, I don't know if I even go there. <laughs> well, I wonder, well. Looking it up in the book. <laughs> I can't remember what I even told you, Crystal. You, uh, there is no tested recipe. <laughs> there is no tested recipe for kudzu jelly. Right. Um, so we would not be uh, able to to encourage that. <laughs> now, I know several years ago, I had, uh, I had emailed you a question, and we talked about this before we went live, where um, it's just a weird question, and I couldn't find anything, and so I sent it to you, and somebody said they had canned okra and it had turned red. And so they were wondering, is it still good? Is it weird okra? Is it, you know, okra from outer space? Yeah. <laughs> do, I, do I throw it out? I think it turned out it was, it was fine and something had happened, but uh, I can't remember the exact answer. But my favorite story regarding canning is many times being one of the very few male FCS agents in the state, 
and being one of the first in the state of Kentucky, people would call me and ask me how to can corn on the cob just to see if I knew anything at all. They'd be like, how do I can corn on the cob? Oh, it's a test, huh? No, it was a test. And so the first couple of times I fell for it (laughs) and I I grabbed so easy preserve. And then, then I learned real quick that it was, they were pulling my leg and it was actually other agents calling me uh, to ask another question. (laughs) And they'd be like, ah, I'm just messing with you. I've got a question for you. (laughs) I'm super disappointed because I I don't, I I think all my, uh, I don't, I've not ever gotten a super crazy question. I've had people get mad at me. Um, that I didn't give them the right answer, like really mad one in particular, but I've, I've, not, I've not gotten any crazy questions. It's, I feel like I'm the one that does all the crazy canned stuff, like <laughs> bending the knob back on or bending the, the dial back on the, the handle back on the uh, pressure canner, busting the bottoms out of salsa, stuff like that. But I knew I wasn't supposed to do Like I'm the one that does it. I do remember one, Dr. Bernie, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. <clears throat> I was in Kentucky. It was the first, first thing I'd ever done with food preservation. I went, a uh, lady had been working 25 years in the county south of me. She was going to train me on how to do food preservation. And, and so I go down there. I had no, I was as green as they come behind the ears. I didn't even know how to get to the gas station hardly. That's how new I was in extension. <laughs> And uh, so I go down and it's a deep Eastern Kentucky and this lady brings in her old pressure canner top. I mean, it's old and she hands it over and the agent goes to flip the lid and check the uh, gasket. And there's a snake skin inside the gasket. <laughs> she threw it. I mean, she threw the lid gauge and all threw it and ran out. Oh, wow. And so I'm standing here with this lady and I, I literally have no clue. I don't even know how to hook up the tester for the gauge at this point. And I'm like, uh, it's just, I mean, where, where'd you have this? Oh, it's out in the barn. I was going to see if it's any good. And I was like, uh, <laughs> probably not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've not been monitoring the chat. We said we weren't going to get super distracted, but something did just catch my eye that Vicki Clark is watching with us. Hi, Vicki. Agent. And she just put her craziest question on here, so I have to read it to y'all. How many teaspoons were in a lump of alum the size of an egg? Because that was what was written down in her grandma's recipe for pickles. Oh, wow. Wow. Huh. Well, that wasn't CNN, Vicki, so we can't answer that right now. <laughs> Be back, going to measure. Yeah. <laughs> right. I get a lump of alum the size of an egg. <laughs> I can say with the new modern uh, processes that we use for pickling, alum is not really even necessary anymore. Right. <laughs> so we didn't really tackle any of the, the old school uh, ways of doing things, you know, like uh, flipping your jars or putting a hot towel over your tomatoes and letting them seal and things like that. We kind of tackled that a few weeks ago. So we, we left some of those things out because we I believe we would all get in real deep water if we tackled that thing because <laughs> uh, we, we, talk, we talked about some of those ladies y'all have any party thoughts or any uh, off the cuff questions for Dr. Bernie I don't think so this was fun and thank you for joining us Dr. Bernie oh, thank you Dr. Bernie our first time live so I hope everybody else enjoyed it and if that was a real lake behind you that you were actually sitting at, it's a digital screen. But if it were real, I would expect to see David Bilderback zooming in behind her. Yeah. You might, you might look back there. You might see somebody in a boat. Yeah, it's a very good chance that David Bilderback is back there. So. Yeah. <laughs>
So, anyways, everybody on Facebook, thank you for joining us, uh, and thank you for uh, participating and sharing with us. We appreciate you, Dr. Bernie. Thanks for coming on. This will be available via Apple um, on iTunes uh, through the podcast uh, app, and also through Android and Spotify and Google Podcast. And you you pick one and find it. It's probably there. Uh, so thank you all for joining us. We appreciate your time. Uh, have a great Tuesday afternoon. Bye.